Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Raising Vibration right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. Please visit us at LiveParanormal.com, iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, the list goes on and on. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host here in Los Angeles. I'm a performing artist, and I'm coming to you live from my home in Southern California, as I do every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Pacific time right here at LiveParanormal.com and iHeartRadio.com. This is Raising the Vibration. This show is an outreach of a nonprofit movement of peace, love, kindness, and unity that I started in 2016 um, after my mom passed to carry on her teachings and all the good stuff that I grew up with. And it's really about ascension. It's about uh, evolvement. It's about enlightenment. It's about inspiration. And it's about love. Basically, what are you doing to raise your own vibration, make the world a better place, And then how are you sending the elevator down and bringing up hundreds more people so they can also be lifted up and ascend? So every week on the show, I feature people that I love and adore that really are on their path and understand what it's like to raise the vibration. And my guest today is, of course, no exception to that. He's a beautifully talented actor, writer, producer, director, and one of my best friends, and just somebody that totally gets what it's like to turn everything into an ensemble, to have an abundance consciousness, to do what you can to help those around you. My dear friend, Michael Vaccaro, is here. How are you, buddy? It's so good to have you here. It's so good to hear your voice. I, uh, I'm here, and I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you so, so, so much. I love that introduction. That was, that was lovely. Thank you. Absolutely. I love that because I worked for five years on Michael's television show, Child of the 70s, until the show ended. And um, what I loved the most about it was that you were sort of the, um, you know, the benevolent father of the group. Like, you treated us all like family. You brought us all together. We would go and have dinner places, and we would go celebrate Italian Christmas together, and we would get together at our mutual friend Michael and Bob's house and do things. And it wasn't just about when we were on set. It was about the idea that for that five years, we stayed a family. And, and many of us still are family. You are still my family. And that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, growing up as an actor, for me, it wasn't just about being on the stage or being in front of the camera. It was about the family that you make putting it all together, right? Yeah, one of the things that was really important for me when I first started that project and, and, and certainly is important to me, it was important to me before that project and it has continued to be important for me after that project, uh, was to surround myself by people that I like. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like there's, there's, there's nothing, there's, it's not worth doing something if you're not with people that you like. Uh, and oftentimes, mm-hmm. we all know this, 
especially as an actor and you're a, a creative person, um, you, uh -huh. you know, we all take jobs. <laughs> uh, and, and oftentimes you, you have to be surrounded by people that you don't like, so, which is unfortunate. Uh, but certainly if I'm creating my own project, um, I am going to surround myself with people who I like, people who I love, people who have positive energy, people who are fun, who are interesting, who, who add something to the creative process. There's no other reason to do something, to create something, uh, unless, unless you are uh, uh, sharing it with people who you love. I could not agree with you more. And I, and I think that the sharing it with people you love is as important as doing the project. And like you said, we all take jobs because we have to take jobs. And I've learned now, going into the spiritual world um, as well full-time five years ago, and thinking that that was going to be so different from selfish entertainment people, and then realizing it's just as bad, if not worse. Where there is ego, where there is greed and covetousness, right, there can be this negativity. Where there is power, this negativity can come from it. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, they'll come from it. And I think that that's something that was always a hard lesson for me. I never could get it about entertainment. Then I came over to the spiritual world. I couldn't believe it was here. And maybe someday I'll mm. learn. But um, the thing is, is that it's, it's not what it's supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be here helping people, inspiring people, sharing ourselves with people. Yes, giving our best to a project when we get involved, but also expecting that as we treat people right, we're going to be treated right, right? Like the golden rule. And I think that. That's how it is. And in our careers, both of our careers, right, we run up against situations that wasn't at all like that. And sadly, you're going through one of those now. And sometimes I think to do a show like Raising the Vibration, you can't be all like, like, oh, like a Pollyanna. You know what I mean? You have to also talk about what's not Raising the Vibration so people then understand what is by saying the opposite. And you've kind of run into a situation that, that should be a family. But for whatever reason, it's not because it all trickles down from the top. So will you explain a little bit to my listeners about what you're going through? Yes, I, I certainly will because that was absolutely perfect what you just said. Um, and uh, this has been a you, – you know, as creative people, we continue to run up against this kind of stuff all of the time. And, and I have found myself recently in a, in a situation that was, not so, uh, that was not so great, that has not been so positive. Uh, but before I even start telling the story, I will tell you that there has been an absolutely wonderful and positive outcome. So uh, I'll let you know that all is, all is well. But yes, I will tell you the story. Uh, and it started in 2020. This was, uh, I believe it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. I started working for a, uh, a, a YouTube channel, uh, which is called Darman. And um, the, the great thing in the beginning about Darman was that his channel seemed to be devoted to positivity, and it seemed to be devoted to the idea of taking care of others and, and being kind to others and, uh, and not bullying. It was very anti-bullying. At least that was the idea. And, and this, this gentleman, his name is Darman, and he was doing these, these videos all about, all about bullying and how we shouldn't bully and how we shouldn't shame people. 
and and I was hired by by this man and by this company. And at the time, it was very small. Uh, we were literally filming um, in his apartment in downtown Los Angeles. It was a, it was actually a really nice apartment, but but we were shooting in his apartment. And sometimes we would go down to the garage of his building, and we would shoot down in the garage. And it was all very um, sort of guerrilla style. You know, we we would run to locations and shoot something in a park or shoot something, you know, on a street corner somewhere and do it real quick so that, you know, so that the cops wouldn't come and tell us to stop. Uh, but there were all these little videos that would go up on YouTube and I guess also on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Um, always, again, about anti-bullying and about being kind to people and about not shaming people. And what was funny for me was that I was always the guy who was doing the shaming. I was, I was always playing the guy who was doing the bullying. I was, uh, just to give you an example, I was, I was always the guy who uh, would shame models for, I remember there was one very particular video in the beginning where I was, I had a modeling agency, but I would shame the models for, for being overweight or I would shame the models for being too thin, um, you know, or I would, um, I was once the governor, I played the governor of California once and I, and I bullied the teachers who were protesting, which is fascinating now. Uh, I was bullying the, bullying the teachers who were protesting for higher wages and more fair work conditions, stuff like that. So I did this for a few years. It worked. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's fantastic. It's so not typecasting. <laughs> it's so, it's so right. It's, I mean, it was, it's, I do, yeah, I think of myself as a, as a, as a really nice guy. Um, and so, so, so honestly, it was actually kind of fun to play this role uh, over and I would, and again, I did over and over and over again. I am in countless Darman videos, always playing the bad guy. In fact, at one point I even, I, we were getting a lot of uh, fan comments from people, oh, why don't you play a good guy? And in fact, at one point I even asked Dar uh, if I, if he would ever allow me to play a good guy and he said, nope. <laughs> so, um, so I was always, I was always playing the bad guy and this this went on for for years again since 2020 and it's, we're now in 2023 and I did a whole bunch of these videos um and the thing that happened was that it grew bigger and bigger and bigger like I said we started out in his apartment in downtown Los Angeles um, but as he got more and more uh, subscribers and followers on all of the social media platforms, it got really, really big. So big that he ended up getting a um, – he ended up opening a, a, up a movie studio. Uh, and there are three gigantic studios that are filled with different sound stages now in Burbank, California. Um, that, uh, that he was able to do because it got so big, so many um, followers, so many subscribers. Uh, the output uh, be became more and more. I think, you know, maybe at one point it was one video a week and then it became four videos a week and it might have even become five or six videos a week. I'm not really sure. But there was a ton of output. I was working uh, pretty steadily for him doing these videos and he had a core group of actors who were all there from basically the beginning who um who were all working for him and who we were all the, the we call ourselves the thumbnail faces we were all 
the faces of the thumbnails on all of these social media platforms, which was great. We all got a lot of followers on, on uh, Instagram and TikTok and whatever. Uh, and a lot of fans, you know, I would get people writing to me all the time saying how much they love me in the videos. Oh, my God, you're such an evil person, but we love you. You're terrific, blah, blah, blah. And that's all – it was all great. It was all very nice. Um, but as Dar got more and more popular, then Channel got more and more subscribers and more and more followers, he got more and more money. He was able to make uh, quite a, a, a tremendous amount of money doing these YouTube videos, making money off of YouTube and TikTok and Instagram or however else. Um, but unfortunately, that did not trickle down to us. The, uh, the actors who were the faces on the video, the faces on the thumbnail, we, we, it, did not, it did not benefit us the, certainly in the way that it benefited him. And that went on for a long time. That went on for a few years. And, and I'm, I, I, would, I, I would never begrudge anybody's success or money. Um, this was his idea in the beginning, and he started it. And so I, I don't begrudge him any money. And he got a lot of money. He bought, um, uh, if, I, if I know this correctly, he bought Justin Bieber's house in, in Calabasas. He bought uh, like a tremendously expensive car, and I think there's a private jet somewhere or whatever. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And he even says this himself. He, he makes in some of his uh, TikTok videos or whatever, he, he, talks about, he talks about all the money that he has made from this, and we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, uh, and the actors who were working for him, the ones from the very beginning, we – we didn't, never got a raise. We we were basically making what we were making in 2020, um, and and then things got uncomfortable at his at his studio. Uh, we we noticed that the people, the actors, uh, some of the OG actors who did go to him and say, "Hey, listen, I think you know, I, I think I deserve a raise," those people would disappear. Those people would just one day did not be there anymore. So it it became really clear, you know, don't ask for money because if if you do ask for more money, um you will disappear. <laughs> you will just be gone. And so obviously that's a very uncomfortable situation. Um when he's making again millions and millions of dollars and we're still making, you know, 33, 44 bucks a day or whatever it was depending on how many hours you worked. Um, and it all got to, it all got to feel very, um, very unfair. And then over the course, was he paying for minimum wage? It wasn't minimum wage for sure. I mean, we were definitely making like, you know, it's a 30 and $40 an hour for sure. Um, but, but, um, sometimes you would go in and work one hour a day or sometimes you'd go in and work two hours a day. Right. One of the things that right. happened, for instance, I'll give you an example, is they would, uh, they would reach out to me and they, say, they would say something like, oh, Michael, we, would, uh, we have a video for you and um, we would like you to keep all of next week open for us. So, uh, like ne- next Monday through next Friday, we want you to shoot this video with us. I would say, okay, great, confirmed, got it. And so... 
I would, if other work came in for any of those days, Monday through Friday, I would turn down work because I've already been booked. And I, I'm committed to this because you, you guys booked me. Um, and then I would get, a, uh, I'd get an email Sunday, the day before I'm supposed to start, start shooting, the, you know, the next day on Monday. I would get an email on Sunday, and they would say, okay, we actually only need you for one day. We only need you for Tuesday. So in the meantime, right. I've turned down work. Right, yeah. Yeah. I've turned down work for five days, and really what's happening is I'm only working one day. So there, that right. happens. And then, and then it's the day before on that Sunday when they would, e- they would email me and say, okay, you're only working this one day, and here's your script. I wouldn't, I, they would never give a script beforehand earlier than that. So I would look at the script on Sunday and I would see, oh, I only have three lines in this video. So not only am I only going to work one day, but I'm really only going to work maybe an hour or two. So I've booked out an entire right. week, Monday through Friday, and let's say I'm working two hours and that's $88. Let's say I'm getting $44 an hour, that's $88 for the day. That means my, my income for that week is $88 because I've already booked myself out. And it's very hard for actors to all of us to just, you know, get work, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's where it got to be really unfair. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that was a strange thing that they did. They they wouldn't show us the scripts beforehand, but we would we would have to commit to it, and we would have to sign a contract, agreeing <laughs> that we would do this job. And not only after that did we get the script, and then I would realize, oh, I only have three lines in this in this video. So so it became a real challenge. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. lots of stuff and, and like that. Of, yeah. Like, a lot of game playing. I would imagine you just started feeling not good because you just felt like there were games happening. Yeah, we started like you, we started like feeling played for sure. Yeah. If you'd realized that you were only going to get one hour, you probably wouldn't have taken the gig and blocked off a week. If you'd realized you were only going to have three lines, you might not have taken the gig at all. So the whole thing was sort of like a carrot that dangled, um, not being honest with you about what the job was going to be to lock you into it, which is, that, you know, it's dishonesty. Yeah. It is dishonesty, and it's, abso- it's abso- absolutely correct what you said. But here's, here's another uh, level, another uh, part of this. The other part of this is that if, in fact, you ever say to them, hey, you know what, I'm actually not available next week. I already have another gig for next week. I can't, I can't do the video. If you ever turn them down for a job, then they would kind of punish you. This started happening. They would punish you, and they wouldn't well, call you for about six months. Yep, so much for anti-bullying. Right. Well, there you go. See, that's, it, it absolutely 100% turned into a, a bullying situation. It got to be very uncomfortable there at work. If you, uh, if you asked for more money, you disappeared. If you uh, weren't able to take a job when they offered it to you, you would be punished. You, would, you wouldn't go back for another six or eight months, something like that. Things like this started happening all the time. He actually started other channels. Beyond the videos that we were shooting, he, he had a whole bunch of different uh, channels. And one of the channels was a behind-the-scenes channel. So, for instance, I would be there shooting something, and there would be somebody filming us 
doing a behind-the-scenes channel. And we were asked to do interviews for this behind-the-scenes channel and stuff like that. Um, and those videos would go up onto the behind-the-scenes channel, and they would make those videos would make Dar millions of dollars, but we weren't paid for those at all. We were just expected to do those while we were already there. Um, so, yeah. so lots of things like that started happening. And I'm sorry, go ahead, and, I'll, and then I'll finish. Go ahead. It's a hard decision to know what to do because through the history of industry, right, the rich get richer off the backs of the workers. And that's exactly kind of what happened here. That is exactly what happened. And I think a lot of us sort of hit a wall. It, it, it got very uncomfortable for us. And it was such a shame because in the beginning, it was really fun. In the beginning, it was this little thing that we were doing and the pay was nice and everybody was very friendly and it was a fun job and I liked all the people who I worked with. Uh, but as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, it, got, um, it started to get really ugly. The final straw for many of us was last December, 2022 in December, um, Darman did a, a Christmas movie and a bunch of us were in this movie. I was in the movie. And there was a big premiere of this movie at a, this big, beautiful, wonderful theater uh, in Hollywood on Hollywood and Vine. And because I was in the movie, I was invited to the uh, premiere. Um, and then I was told that it was a fan event, which meant that people – it wasn't just a premiere for the cast and the crew. Uh, people were going to be buying tickets for this event to see this movie in a movie theater. Um, and I, 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 tickets were something like $100 a ticket. It was a lot of money. But it was, it was packed. It was sold out. So Dar made a lot of money off of that. And it wasn't until I got there, until I actually walked into the building – that I realized what was happening. Uh, when the, he, what he meant by a fan event uh, was that fans were going to be there, and fans were told that they were going to be able to get my autograph, not just me, all of the other actors as well. Get autographs, take pictures, um, uh, chat with us. So it was sort of like a, uh, it was like an autograph show almost, you know, like the Hollywood autograph shows. Or like a sure, uh, yes. like a Comic Con or something like that. You know, a Comic Con where people pay lots of money to go in and get autographs and, and talk to their favorite uh, their favorite actors. That's what was that was what was happening that night. That was what the event was. But he hadn't told us that, and I wasn't getting paid for it. So essentially, I was there to work, but I was not getting paid for the event because every one of those people in that theater paid a hundred dollars for a ticket. And right. so it was at that. It was at that point where we really just thought, okay, this this um, this is unacceptable. And we, a bunch of us, got together and sat down and we talked about what is it that we would like to see happen differently at this studio. How can we how can we fix this thing these things so that we're comfortable and that he's comfortable? And so we requested a meeting with our boss, Darman. And a meeting was set. If I remember this correctly, it was then postponed. They scheduled it again. It was postponed a second time, rescheduled again. Uh, third meeting also was uh, postponed, rescheduled. So this was the fourth attempt we were making 
at having this meeting with our boss, our boss who he had known for years, since 2020 and before. Some of the people, some of the actors had been there way before me even. Um, but I was there for almost three and a half years, and I knew this guy and had worked for him all this time. So the idea of having a meeting with him didn't seem unreasonable. It didn't seem like we were asking something that, that was, you know, impossible. So there was a fourth meeting scheduled. Uh, a couple of us, we, we had a couple of um, representatives who showed up at this meeting because we thought, oh, we can't all just show up at this meeting. So two of us, two people went into this meeting, and Dar, who we specifically asked for, um, he didn't show. He was a no-show at this meeting. And uh, the really funny what? and ironic thing was that we, he did not show up, and we found out that he didn't show up because he was in Aspen skiing. Oh, okay. He had, yeah. Yeah, he had taken his private jet to Aspen and went skiing, which, again, is fantastic. That's lovely. Enjoy yourself. Um, but, but I thought it was odd. Why would you schedule a meeting for when you knew you were going to be out of town? That's odd. Um, so at that point, and we, were, we, we made an attempt to schedule it again. We said, listen, we will do this one more time, but we have to schedule a meeting for when Dar is present. Let's do that. Um, that was going to be our final attempt. Uh, and then a few days later, we got, we got a message saying that there would be no meeting, that Dar did not want to meet with us, which seemed very um, – I was really – I particularly, and I know a lot of the other people felt this way, I was hurt by this. I, it, was, it seemed – I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why he would not want to uh, – meet with us and talk to us about our concerns. I would have thought that as soon as he heard that there was a meeting, he would have been like, yeah, or yeah, let's sit down. Let's, let's have lunch. In fact, let's sit down. I'll order in lunch for everybody and we'll sit down and talk about what, what, what the problems are and we'll fix them. Why? Because you guys have been with me from the beginning. I owe a lot to you guys because people, you know, the, the public likes you guys. The, you are the reason why you are one of the reasons, one, one of the main reasons why people are tuning in. You are one of the main reasons why I have all these millions and millions and millions of dollars. So, yeah, of course, let's have a meeting and I'll get you lunch. That's what, how I thought it was going to go. But it didn't. So, so then you have to figure out what you want to do. Uh, again, just about like what we were talking about in the beginning. How do, you, how, how do you figure out who you surround yourself with? What, what, what choices do you make in life? Do you just walk away from something like this that's making you unhappy? That's certainly an option. Um, but we thought maybe we should, we should do something different, something other than just walk away, that we should get his attention. He's really gotten to a place in his life where he just does not see what's right in front of his face. So let's get his attention. So we decided to do a little protest. And uh, and we did we we did a we did a uh, we did a picket line outside of the studio one day, and we thought we wow we're gonna yeah and it you know it maybe it seems drastic to some but to me it seemed like because we weren't I certainly wasn't doing it in an angry way I I wasn't like I was more hurt uh, than anything else and I didn't quite understand and I thought okay. Um, 
it's really important to fight for your rights sometimes, depending, you know, on the situation. We all felt safe enough to do it. Uh, we weren't interested in, like, um, in being angry about it. We did this, we did this picket line outside the, outside the studio. We didn't, um, we didn't, uh, there was no uh, damage to any property. We were respectful. Um, he, he knew that we were outside protesting, doing this picket line. He did not come out and speak to us. Again, I thought maybe that would be the outcome. He would come out and say, okay, guys, I get it now. I get it. Let's go inside and let's have a chat. But he did not. He did not come out. He was definitely aware of our presence. We were there for a few hours. We decided to go back the next day and do it again. And the next day is when he called the police on us. That was a whole, that was a whole big surprise. Yeah. Uh, I was not expecting that, but he called the police on us. But the thing about it was we were absolutely 100% within our legal rights to be there. So the, the, the police officers came over, spoke to us about 10 minutes, asked us what we were doing. We explained it. Um, and they said, okay, guys, you're good. Uh, carry on. And so the police left and we continued protesting. We did, uh, we did a, a, a picket line outside one more day, uh, continued to get no response, except I got an email from, uh, from Darman. And it said very simply, uh, hi, Michael, you are no longer needed at Darman Studios. Thank you. So after, wow, after almost three and a half years, what's that? Did you all get that? I said, did you all get that? I, uh, I got that because I was actually scheduled to shoot another video in a few days. Uh, and okay. some, and somebody else who was, who was scheduled to shoot a video in a few days, she also got that as well. So anybody who was scheduled coming video um, and who was part of the protest got, uh, got fired in a, in a very short email from a boss who I had worked with for three and a half years and uh, someone who I contributed to his making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I said it's hard because I think there are those of us who are very idealistic and basically our hearts are filled with love. And we just assume when we start working on a project that people are our family. And it's always such a surprise when you realize someone is not your family. But somebody's not such a in surprise. it. Such a surprise. Right. Especially not only that. that much before, you yes. would think they would be a yes, little just, tiny bit great. You would think that too. But here's the, here's the big part about that. His entire brand is built on the idea of kindness. His entire yeah. brand is built on the idea of not bullying people. His entire brand yeah. is built on this idea of let's all come together and, and, uh, and, and be loving towards one another. There's too much anger in the world. There's too much hate. There's too much of this. There's too much that. That is his entire brand. And so I think yeah. when we sort of came out with all of this stuff and we started sharing this stuff with the public, I think, you know, I think there were just thousands and thousands, possibly millions of people out there in the world who, were, who have been following this guy for years who were absolutely shocked to, to find out that the place was not, you know, that it was not a happy place for us. Yeah. And then, you yeah. know, ulti ultimately, 
Ultimately, you have to stand up for yourself. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm right. You're right. Ultimately, you have to stand up for yourself 100%. But how sad for the fans who maybe were moved in this way and really believed. You know what I mean? Yes, really I, I know exactly what you mean, for sure. Yes. You know, you yes, so I mean, I, when you're uh, I get direct messages from, I, I'm, I'm not kidding, I get hundreds and hundreds of direct messages every single day from people around the world. Even be, I, I, before this happened, I would always get, you know, fan letters and stuff like that, which was lovely and, and wonderful and so gratifying and, you know, and people were so kind. But certainly after this all started happening and after this all came out, I, I get DMs every single day from people who are shocked. They can't believe it. They, you know, are you sure? Are you are you being honest about this? Are you sure that this is what happened? And I, I, I try to write back to everybody and say, yeah, it's really unfortunate, and I'm really sad about this situation. Um, but yeah, it's all true. Uh, and and again, like it was. It, I feel. As uh, when all is said and done, I feel like I did the right thing. I did nothing in an angry way. I did nothing in a way to um, to try to hurt anybody. Um, I just felt like it was important for me to um, stand up for my rights and also to and I think this is important for everybody, every single person, uh, to know your worth. We talk about this a lot. To know your worth and to understand that. Oftentimes, other people don't know your worth, and sometimes you have to show people. You have to tell people. You have to tell people. You know what? I feel like you don't. You, you don't see my worth. You don't see me as worthy. I, I I will not accept this. I will not accept your disrespect. Um, and again, you don't have to do it in an angry way. You certainly don't do it in a violent way. Um, but you do it. <laughs> Right, right, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you have to, but I think a lot of it, and I've talked about this on radio shows for years, Michael, I think a lot of it harkens back to our days in acting school before there was this beautiful thing called the Internet where we were taught in acting school, you know, take any job, take what you can get, do whatever they say because it could be the last time your phone rings, and we grew up not seeing our worth. We grew up believing that we had to take it, and that's why now stories of directors and producers who were, you know, rapists and pedophiles and abusers and bullies, because there was no one to stop them and tell them no. The Me Too movement, there's so much less of it happening right now, because human beings are animals that need to be corralled. And sometimes if they think there's a free-for-all for them to do whatever they want, they will do it, which is why power is so dangerous for people, right? This guy thought he could right. do anything he wanted. You would keep coming back and begging for your $30 because you were actors and you were desperate to work. And sometimes, that is correct. you know, you have to, you have to say, no, I don't, I don't want this that badly. And that is um, correct. I mean, we live in a, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, you and I were talking about this at brunch the other day, that I worked in a situation for a while that I do not talk about, where everybody thought it was such a beautiful thing, but I was secretly being bullied from the top in such a bad way that I watched a TV show we were talking about when we had brunch last weekend, where the character reminded me of my boss, and it was literally like PTSD to watch that show. 
because it was the same kind of narcissistic crazy that I dealt with every mm-hmm. single day. And um, I put up with it because it was a good opportunity for my career. But when it finally ended and it was long overdue and I walked away from it, now I look back at it and, first of all, I think, how in the world did I ever do that? And then, secondly, I think, you know what? That now becomes my example in life for how I'm not going to take this job or that job or work with this person because I will never again be in that position. And I think sometimes you just have to draw the line. You have to grow up and realize it's like in Buddhism, right, the difference in abundance consciousness and scarcity consciousness. And realize there will always be more work for you. Um, And sometimes you actually screw up your own energy field by putting yourself in a situation like that with a person like that um, and not standing up for yourself. And you're actually stopping more work from coming in because you're killing your own mojo. This is, uh, this is so correct. I think this is 100% correct uh, because I, I was going to say that in, we live in a society where um, actors, any creatives, actors, dancers, writers, singers, musicians, anything mm-hmm. like that, we are all told from day one, pretty much, that it's never going to work out. This is never going to happen for you. This yep. is an unrealistic yep. dream. Don't do it. It's not secure, blah, blah, blah. So our baseline is fear, fear of yes. loss. Yes. Like you said, fear of scarcity, mm-hmm. right? And so yep. we all, you're absolutely right, we accept things that we maybe normally would not accept because we are afraid. Um, and the yes and the the conversely when like exactly what you just said when you when you say no to this when you stand up for yourself you open yourself up for other things and i have found this over and over and over again and it's a, it's it's a really hard lesson to learn because i mean just years and years and years of that fear is just you know, indelibly etched into your soul, into your brain, into your mind. Um, but I find this out over and over and over again. When I say no in a loving way, it always opens me up to m- so much more that I that I wasn't that I, that I wouldn't have even dreamed about in my wildest imaginations. And so, and that is exactly what has happened with this situation here. As soon as I said no to that, that last time. And I got that, I got that uh, that email saying I was no longer needed. There's a great uh, there's a great expression that says God often does for you what you cannot do for yourself. Um, I got yeah. that I got that email, and it was literally like the world opened up for me. Uh, all all yeah. kinds of new projects happened. I mean, literally just in the last few weeks since this has happened, um, and it has been an absolute blessing. And yeah, I, I I I feel a sense of relief. I also feel really bad for the actors because there are plenty of them actors who decided to stay. There were actors yeah. who were initially with us. Who yes, they agreed with everything. They said yes. I don't like that this is happening. We should do something about this. But when push came to shove, they made a choice to stay out of fear. I yeah. think because they didn't want to lose their jobs. They didn't want to lose that paycheck, whatever it was. They were willing right. to stay in a situation that was uh, that was probably not the best situation for them. And I feel sorry for them. I feel so bad for them. And hopefully they'll get to a place where they can 
make a change for themselves. But but fear's a powerful well, thing. For humans, right? I remember when I was younger, my mom telling me the story that she had read in the news. About, I tell I use this example on the radio all the time about this guy in the 70s who had kidnapped these 12 women and he kept them all in a basement and then slowly but surely he eventually raped and killed them all one by one. And I remember my mom saying there were 12 of them. They should have rushed him. Did he have a knife? Did he have a gun? Would maybe one of them gotten shoot or stabbed? Yes, but then they would have killed him. But they all just kind of sat there and took it week after week. And I think that is what fear does to us. It breaks us down, right? It, it, it's, we don't think about the fact that if we just rise up. I remember you and I having this conversation after, right after a certain presidential election about how if we all mm-hmm. just got together and fought together, there would be no oppressors. But we're all so scared right. to bust the system. There are actors that stayed? Absolutely not. Not the least bit surprised. Sad not. for them. But sadly, yep. not surprised. And I think there's always people who are going to be scared of what we were told in acting school, which is this could be the last time the phone ever rings. But right. there never I is mean, it's the also, last time. Yeah, of course. It's but it's the famous it's the famous story of the uh, of the lion in the uh, in the circus. The lion could could at any moment. The, the lion has the ability, has the power to jump on that lion tamer who keeps hitting him with a whip and kill him. But the yeah. lion doesn't do that because the lion has been taught fear. The lion has been taught that that's the guy in power and you don't mess with the guy in power. Yeah, yeah. When the lion is the yeah. one who has the power. We all have well, the power, and which is why and a collective bargaining is so important, and unions are so important, and getting together, and like we said, started this whole conversation, surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and who agree with you and who send you love and who, who want success for you. You surround yourself with those people because as a collective, we are even more powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, and also... Um, uh, You have to realize there's always going to be another bully around the corner. It's sad to me. One of the saddest parts of the story is that something like YouTube or the Internet or the independent film projects or music projects are supposed to be the respite from the corporate system that we all lived under for so many decades. But then for somebody making their own thing like that to then turn around and become just as bad as any studio that's been in business for a hundred and something years to me, is, mm-hmm. that's very sad because it's just like meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Right. And not yeah. changing the system. I think it's beautiful about what things like YouTube have done and the ability to make independent films and film festivals. It was supposed to be a change from how things were. But to go right back to that slave labor, slumlord kind of ideology, that's not changing anything. That's the same thing again. It is, and it's, and and he's under the same um, uh, misinformation that we all are, which is he, that boss, is making decisions based on fear. He's making decisions based on this idea that if I if I capitulate, if I if I agree to what they're saying, if I give them five dollars more or ten dollars more, I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to go broke. What's going to happen to me? And I, it right, takes yeah. a lot of um, it takes a lot of courage to 
to be the person who says, you know what, I'm okay, and, um, and I'm here for you. Those are the brave people. The cowards are the ones who, you know, who run away in fear, who don't show up for a meeting, or who schedule a meeting for when they're going to be you know, skiing in Aspen. Um, the real heroes in our world are the people who say, you know what, yeah, come with me. Let's, let's help each other. We can figure this out for sure. Yeah. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really sad the way that, um, that, that that mentality, right, that we learned in acting school when we were kids still is following us in every aspect of our life this much later. I remember I had to have a conversation with myself the other day because I lived as a starving artist for so many decades, and now I have a very thriving spiritual practice and I make good money. And to like, I was having, I was, you know, when the, when the gas bills all went up, right, 10 times as much or whatever, four times, yeah. six times, it just keeps, and everybody was like, oh God, I just got to go buy a bunch of sweaters. And I remember having a talk with myself in the scar and saying, you know what, you're 55 years old and, and you make good money. You are not going to lay in a freezing house and shudder like a college kid uh, getting warm over a stove. You are allowed to be comfortable you're well into your life, at what point are you going to allow yourself to be comfortable? But even though I make decent money, I still live in, sometimes I had to talk myself out of living in that mentality of being so fearful that um, I was always going to be, um, you know what I mean? Right. I know exactly what so you I mean. 100, 100%, yeah. And I think that's that's what happens. I mean, I don't know if that's this guy's story, but I think that's what happens sometimes. Bosses then go, well, wait a minute. What if I lose this? What if what if it all ends tomorrow? Well, then that's why you're safe and secure. That's why you don't buy the Learjet right away. Right. Um, well, and, you know, and here's another you, thing that I think is so yeah. Another thing that I think is so important to know this this is a lesson that I get all the time. And it's because I probably need it. But one of the things that's really important for us to know, just as humans, is that everything is temporary. Everything yeah. is going to go away eventually. If you, right. Good things even and us? bad things. Yeah. yeah. Even us. Like, we're going to die one day. Businesses don't last forever. Uh, apartment buildings don't last forever. People move. People change. Friendships don't last forever. Marriages do not last forever. Everything in this life is temporary. So if that is the case, if that is a fact, which it is, then it, does, it seems to me that with the, with the limited amount of time that we have, the, the only thing that is important is to be kind, is to share what you have to share the limited thing that you have with other people, especially if they don't have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't take it with you. Cannot. He's not taking anything with him. When he goes, it's all going to be gone. His business is not going to last forever. You know, I mean, because trends change. People change. People are not going to be watching feel-good YouTube videos for the next century. It's going to end. It's going to end for him. Yeah. It's going to end for everybody. Um, and again, while you have it, why not? Uh, why not oh, do the best the that you thing. can absolutely do for other people? And it is going to end, and you know it's going to end. Then you set yourself up for life with that kind of money. 
And then yep. you wait and see what else you But you don't go and overextend yourself financially to the point where you then have to screw everybody around you so you can keep up a lifestyle you can't afford. That's right. I never, you know, yeah. growing up in the business, I grew up working in the music business from a very young age. And I saw these bands in the late 80s, early 90s, get this front money from labels, right, for a two-album deal. And they get more money than they've ever seen in yeah. their lives. Turn right. right around and spend it all. And, and then they had no money. Sure. And then if the album didn't right. take off and become huge, or they just had one hit and that was the end of it, then they were screwed. There's, there's no reason why anybody who's had one big hit or one big TV show, corporate TV show, you know, network TV show, couldn't live the rest of their life off that money. You just have to be careful until you don't have to be careful. If you wind up having five series and you have billions of dollars, then you don't have to be careful. If you want to buy a jet, you can. But this idea of overextending the minute you have any money is scary. I mean, even Elvis was running out of money. You know what I mean? Even Michael Jackson yeah. has financial problems. Your life and realize, do I want to be secure for the rest of my life or do I need to have my own jet? <laughs> and it's never worth yeah, bringing people only, over because, you know, yeah. can take it all away at any time, right? Universe can decide, you know what? I gave you some abundance and you acted like a jerk and now, boop, I'm taking it away. Yeah, for sure. For sure, and I, I would go even a step further. If you have that kind of money, this I, I never understand this about people. Um, if you have that kind of money, share it. You know, uh, all these people, you know, Bezos yeah. and uh, Musk and all these people, they could, these individuals could send everybody probably on the planet Earth a check for $1,000 a month, and it still wouldn't put a, a big dent into their money. Why not? Why yeah. not do that? Why not do that? Why not have a legacy of uh uh, again, of kindness. Yeah. I I agree 100%. Yeah. And as they get greedy, they get more greedy. I've never really talked about this on the air, but I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I looked it up on Google the other day and discovered I am by far not alone. Amazon's customer service has gotten terrible. A package didn't show up. They were like, no problem, we'll send you another one. You returned a package and they lost it. No problem, we'll just give you a credit. We're so sorry it happened to you. Um, I sent a bunch of stuff back from Christmas. And they didn't record one of the items. And I called, and they said, well, they were all in a box together, and you should have sent them separately. I said, but they were from the same order, and they told me I could send them all together. Well, we don't have record of this, so we can't give you a refund. All the money that, that we have all spent at Amazon, we're talking about a $20 item. And right. I went online to Google, Amazon's customer service sucks. And there were threads and boards and complaint lines of people saying the same thing. They used to be great to deal with, and now they're terrible. So now you figure Jeff Bezos is so much more rich than he was 10 years ago. Why has his customer service gotten worse? And it's because the richer people get, the greedier they get, the quality of things go down. And that is a shame, but it seems to be the story of humanity. And uh, it's like even with these YouTube people, some of these YouTube people, right, the more followers they get, the less they, the less they care. They stop doing videos as regularly. They stop being, doing, you know, re- relating with fans. And suddenly it's just like, well, you know what, so much money for everything I do. I don't need to do anything else. Yeah, again, I also thing. think that it's a, uh, 
Yeah, I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I love, I love when this happens. Jeff Bezos, let's just use him as an example, uh, doesn't want to give you your, your 20 bucks back um, because he thinks, you know, that if he does it to you, then everybody's going to do it. And he's going to lose all of his money, and everybody, everybody is against him. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't give you your 20 bucks back, but then has to live a life of paranoia where he thinks that everybody is against him. And as soon as you think that, that's going to become the case. Yeah. Everybody will be against you. Right. Well, and, and I'm really honing down how much I buy from them now and buying from other services. And the thing is, if, if I buy, let's say I buy, I probably bought 300 and something dollars worth of stuff over Christmas from Amazon and I return a $20 item that they won't return, is it really worth $20 to lose the business of someone who just spent 300 when you're already richer than God? It doesn't, it's not like, oh, my God, it was his last $20 and the business would have gone out of business. You know what I mean? Yeah. You become so good yeah. that you start actually um, because you're not being decent. And I think that's what happened in your situation, too, because you got to know there's a lot of fans out there that loved certain actors they saw again and again, you included, and now he has to explain to everybody where those actors went. And every time you lose 100%. a popular performance, yes. lose, you know? Yes, I, I do. I don't know the exact number, but um, I believe it's in the millions uh, just since this happened that he has lost, he's lost millions of followers. And again, yeah. that's, you know, that's one of those things. I mean, yeah. You, all he had to do was um, take a meeting. All he had to do was take a meeting. And again, we, we were perfectly willing to negotiate. We were perfectly willing to say, okay, let's meet somewhere in the middle. We would like this, and, and you know, I'm sure you don't want to do that, so let's meet somewhere in the middle. We weren't interested in, in gouging him in any way. Um, all of it could have been avoided. And I believe this morning, if I am correct about this, TikTok, yes, TikTok, uh, took his account, account down, which is a huge, uh, it's a huge thing in this in this world. Yep. So again, it it all could have been avoided Thanks. with a very simple with a handshake, even. Well, good and for so you, my friend, for being learn. Yeah, and for five. Well, thank five. you. Um, you were, thank I'm you so for letting me share this story. I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. Where can people find you online so they can add to your social media increase? Uh, you can you can find me on Instagram at Michael Vaccaro. It's M I C H A E L V A C C A R O, and I am also on Facebook as well. Wonderful, go do that. And this is my good friend, who's wonderful, and what a great story, and how brave you are, and how proud of you I am. And thank you for being here. And let's do this again soon. The wonderful Michael Vaccaro, everybody. If you missed those links, you can go to my website which is SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. That's SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. Or find me everywhere on social media at SheenaMetal. And, of course, the stations at LiveParanormal.com, at iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and the rest. And my nonprofit at RaisingTheVibration.org. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and always know that you are loved and you are loved and you are loved by me. I'll see you next time. Uh, I'm Sheena Metal. This is Raising the Vibration Radio, liveparanormal.com, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. 
You are appreciated, and I'll see you soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.